Welcome to the Carl Sterling Podcast, delivering conversations with experts and excellence in education. All right, we're here, we made it, and I'm really excited today to have a special guest with me who I met a couple of months ago in Miami Beach at the URSA conference. Um, my guest, I've, actually, I haven't following you for a while, so when we met, I knew of you. Of course, since really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. You're pretty well known out there, my friend, because you're doing great work is why. Uh, my my guest today, folks, is Mason Vanderwald. Uh, Mason's goal is to help trainers, personal trainers, become masters in front of the camera so that they can help more people and simultaneously make more money with less effort. There's nothing wrong with that. Mason also consults with startups and established brands, cutting through the uncertainty by guiding production teams with his 20 years of production experience and creating uh, innovative programming. So for over 20 years, this is just so cool. Mason has helped build top companies and coached top trainers to become on-camera fitness stars. And uh, some of the work you've done, my friend, man, it's just so impressive. Uh, these creating or crafting innovative programs that have really shattered sales uh, sales records including p90x something that i have i i love that program and then chief production officer of daily burn that is so cool <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for joining me i've been looking forward to talking with you uh, it I've been really looking forward to this. You've become a grandfather again since we, <laughs> yeah. we had to reschedule because of that. Yeah, we were on for maybe five weeks ago, and then my daughter started having contractions. And I'm like, you know what? Sorry. And, and you, uh, yeah, you so I'm your sleeves and you delivered, you delivered your grandchild. Well, if anybody I, could do it, was, you could do it. Paul. I was close by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm a grandpa three times now. So it's awesome. Congrats. Amazing, thank you. And uh, we are live on Facebook and we're also here on Zoom. So if anyone joins on Zoom and they want to ask questions in the chat box, go ahead on Facebook. I am monitoring. And if you have questions, put them in the comments and we will get to them before we end. And uh, so Mason, you and I met at the URSA conference, late June, Miami Beach. It's yes. a tech event, which was, yeah. And what a group of people, man. I, I'm yeah, a member fun. of them. You're a member of them. And uh, holy cow, man. Some minds, forward-thinking people. Yes. And we had a good time. Yeah. Good time. Oh, and we were in the winner circle together. That's right. Yeah, we, yeah. we won some silly little game, but we took it We took it very seriously, as I recall. We did. A great picture. Yeah, we did. <laughs> like Matchup cards or numbers or something. It was fun. Yeah, it was cool. So you, Mauro Frota from Portugal, the yes. belt bag designer. Belt, yeah, he's been on your show. Gosh, what an amazing product that is. So, and, and I can't remember the other person. I feel bad. But anyways, uh, you know, one thing, so you've been involved in well, going back. Am I correct in saying you were involved in, was it theater, dance? Yeah, I went to the High School of Performing Arts in New York City, the Fame School. Oh, yeah. And that was, that was a, it still shapes my life today. It has a lot to do with how I approached fitness production. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah, I imagine so. And so I'm curious to know, as we get towards my first big question, uh, which yes. I, I'm interested in hearing your response to it, is at some point you took a path and you ended up in the production end of things. Uh, how did that happen? I'm just curious. What caused that? Production end of just production in general or for fitness specifically? Uh, actually, for fitness, I was thinking. Yeah. So I realized I was an actor and a dancer, and I was also very fortunate that I had some really good organizational skills. I'm one of those people who kind of sees the big picture. And long story very short, I decided I need to get behind the camera, and this way I can still do art and you know stay in the business that i love doing which is working with creative people um, and i'm sorry i'm interrupted so you weren't yeah. in fitness uh in the very beginning not at all in okay. fact i was pretty anti-fitness i was not i shouldn't say anti-fitness but i was not into sports i was a i was a thespian a full-fledged full <laughs> thespian and really couldn't understand why people played sports watch sports um my sport was being on stage was theater yeah and and I, I realized if I want to make a living at it, I really needed to be in the production side of things and in film and video. So I went back to school for that. And then, uh, you know, I wanted to be this Spielberg or Scorsese uh, of my generation, but I really didn't have a roadmap to that. And while I was working and struggling, making small films and doing any kind of projects I could to make ends meet, uh, this gentleman came along who was a who had married one of my sister's roommates from college and and that was Carl Deichler who's the CEO of Beachbody. Oh, so this sure, is yeah. this is a this was in the late late 90s. Okay. And Carl with a C not a K right. said okay. uh hey I'm looking for you know young directors who who can do things differently for infomer for an infomercial. Do you want to pitch me an idea? And I said absolutely. And uh and then I went and researched infomercials because I knew nothing about him. And my first pitch to him was, he goes, yeah, it's exactly what I don't want. And I said, well, great. Um, thanks for the feedback. Can I present again? And he said, yeah, sure. And so I went way outside of my comfort zone and presented something that I thought was just ridiculously expensive and out of, you know, norm. And he loved it. And he he doubled down on my idea, which was flying around the country to show how different people in fitness could be connected to this crazy new thing we were starting to use called the internet. Yeah, right. That was the early days. Yeah. And um and then it went from there to I started do I started becoming part of the test group uh of different products that were being made. And that was actually something that I did right at the beginning was I said, you know, in in my mind, I was in my like mid-20s, I guess at the time, like infomercials were scams. Mm -hmm. And again, I wasn't that into fitness. So I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I really want to test the product out too. So this was in my first probably decade of doing fitness. I always tested the product too, which was mm -hmm. uh which was fun. And I got in shape and I learned a lot about fitness. And and then one thing led to another. And eventually P90X was the first fitness video I ever produced and directed, which 
I look back and uh, so many of the lessons that I teach today, I, I've gone back and studied what I did differently then mm -hmm. and continue to reiterate on those ideas, which were basically do it all differently. Don't do anything like anybody else did because I hated the fitness videos that I had seen before then. Like, again, I came from a theater background. And so I wanted my workouts to be entertaining, theatrical, fun, like in simplest words, fun. Yeah. And I wanted to tell a story with it all. So that was the big difference. And I continue to preach and iterate on that idea today with trainers and companies that hire me. That's a great story, man. So were you working directly with Tony Horton in these productions? I was more than working directly with him. I was like, literally, like, I mean, Tony was absolutely just starting out in his career. I yeah. was too. Wasn't and he I was, a comedian or something before that? Yeah, or? He was, oh yeah, he had, he, he had hosted like a Playboy channel at one point. He was like <laughs> an anchor on a show. He was, oh, wow. yeah, he, you can find some pretty uh, silly stuff that he did uh, before mm -hmm. he became a fitness <laughs> icon. Um, but it is a fun story I like to tell is uh, there was like five or six of us in the original P90X test group. And we were all very, very close, either working at Beachbody for Beachbody or like a super close friend. And we were, this went on forever. You know, it's a three, it's a three month program. So we were easily doing that. Maybe we were doing a little longer and Tony just loves an audience. And so. We'd be, you know, the workouts are supposed to be an hour, but between Tony's talking and showing off and everything else, we'd be there for like two hours at a time. And I'm, I'm still starting off trying to make ends meet. And I'd be like, Tony, we come on, let's, fin let's wrap this up. We got to go. And, and then we were also getting close to production and we were doing, for those of you who are familiar with P90X, the last disc in the set is called ab ripper x mm -hmm. and the very very last move in ab ripper x is something that tony went a little off script on and ended up because these were some of the cues i'd given him about leaving some room for uh, improv and being in the moment and tony just instead of doing i forget what it was 20 he just kept going on it ended up going up to like 50 reps or something it's crazy but going back to when we were doing it and in the test group, Tony goes, he's flexing in the mirror. So I said, Tony, we got to wrap this up. We got it. I got to get back to work. We've got to get ready for production. Let's finish this. It's fine. Here's, here's the last move. And he, he leans back and he does a, a Russian twist, which most of us know is you just kind of lean back and you're going fist side to side. And I said, God, that's like, it felt like he had just thrown it in there at the last minute because he couldn't think of anything else. And I said, that's lame <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was in amazing shape. We all were. And that felt really easy, to be honest, at the time. And he said, oh, really? What would you do? <laughs> and I said, well, let, let's at least throw our legs up into a V and hold it. And he goes, I love it. We'll call it the Mason twist. <laughs> And I, I still laugh to this day because I remember thinking like, that's so ridiculous. And 
It's called the Mason Twist, and it is like the most deadly move of all in P90X because you're already crushed. And I know that he, move. Yeah. And he does it, and then he goes, instead of going to from to 20, he ends up going to 30, and then it like goes on forever. And so people, so I get I get uh I get a lot of hate mail because of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool though, because I have the program and uh I got it, I don't know, and years ago. 10 yeah. years nine years yeah sure i remember the move for sure yeah. in fact yeah. we were doing that i was in leading a p90x class at oh nice Syracuse university when i was working there i do a lot of group fitness and one-on-one -on -one and uh, that was one of the things so uh but we we had a, somebody came i'm a little off subject here not because nobody really cares about this but i'll just tell you that <laughs> yeah tell me somebody came in and led us through the training over a weekend they actually came uh -huh. and then you know we got certified and all that but um but it was good because a lot of people attended those classes so you know it was a good uh good vibe in the room whenever we did it yeah. um well that's really so this is actually really interesting history to me to yes. know about that in the very beginning because Dayclair, i mean certainly he's done extremely well with his business with the yeah. uh, shakeology and all the other stuff they have the meal planning the workouts that's cool um well let's fast forward you went down the fitness road i, I wanted to start with this question yeah okay so we're we had the pandemic comes along i had my own business always did but it was pretty small at the time i was working at the university uh because it's just really a cool place to work and I, I really enjoyed the new gym they have. It's amazing. Um, and the people I would meet. I love the atmosphere. Um, but they shut it down, you know, March 13th, 2020. Boom. You're going to have to go home. We don't know when we'll see you again. And, of course, I haven't been back to work there. And my business here has taken off. And I'm very blessed and lucky. Um, however, um, what it forced me into with a decrease in income was I had to look at the idea of training virtually. I'd never done it. I resisted and resisted and resisted because I'm a personal touch kind of guy. Yeah. I, I be with the people. I can read the body language better that way. I, mm -hmm. I, I contact, um, just everything's different, you know? So I'm used to public speaking. I've done a lot of that around the world and, you know, speaking at conferences and teaching and, hundreds of times but that was in person every time mm -hmm. so for me it was a huge adjustment to get on zoom or some you know virtual medium and lead somebody through a workout now uh, I, I don't want to talk about really what I do with that at this point but what my question really is how have you what what have you seen happen in the industry of training personal training specifically as a result of the pandemic. Um, and when, well, let me qualify that just a little bit more. Yeah. Have you seen a growth in the virtual training? I mean, there are uh, no more snow days in New York City. It was on the news yesterday. Right. Because yeah. they know they can teach on Zoom if there's too much snow to go to school. So no more snow days, kids. That's right. Because we learned, I learned from the pandemic that I don't have to travel to Paris a month two weeks ago to present at a neurology conference they wanted me to come in person no i'm only speaking for 45 minutes so i sat here and did it and it was beautiful but 
what do you what have you seen how has it changed the industry and will bricks and mortar gyms survive in the long term i'm curious about yeah that. <clears throat> uh, there's there's so much to discuss around this topic but you know in short it's um what i've seen and read and and uh, experienced is that we we're already going in this direction and it just put it into hyperspeed so yeah. everybody like yourself like me who preferred to be in person were forced to go online so it's a skill set just like owning a computer you know there was a time when there was no computers and a lot of people didn't want to do it and everybody has a computer today you have to have well, a computer. And the internet so. doesn't go away i remember that one 25 yeah years. right yeah it's a fad <laughs> so yes and in order to survive trainers in particular those who wanted to stay in the industry all shifted online i mean you know there's a rare few who had you know one or two clients at a time but like you said it still changed the revenue mm -hmm. and here's what most trainers that i know discovered you can make a lot more money if you're online because you can reach more people and charge less mm -hmm. and do more yeah the tricky part and this is what you were alluding to is that it's uncomfortable i i i've trained myself that while i'm talking i'm looking into a piece of glass and i'm thinking about carl or i'm thinking about the person who needs to get my information but i'm not looking into somebody's eyes and that takes training that is not an easy thing to do psychologically it's hard to not feel self um th th is my is my hair right is my makeup right am i smiling I, do i look silly like those are the stories that we tell ourselves and then it becomes really hard to have a conversation to teach to perform on camera so it's a whole set of skills that i've taken from theater and all my experience in fitness that i help people just like you but in particular personal trainers to learn how to translate the the personal touch through the lens and be able to do it virtually as well yeah that i have to say that um doing these interviews for a few years now and many of them were zoom just because i couldn't go to the person or they couldn't come to me that helped me to a point but we're just sitting here we're not doing any kind of exercise at the moment and right. what i realized is it well i'm curious i i uh i'll continue with that thought i i realized i need to be set up a certain way to do this mm -hmm. you know, like with a lapel mic and um lighting that's right and a camera that can capture what i need to or more than one camera and your trademark darth vader setup look yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly oh yeah speaking of that I, well i don't have the mask <laughs> but anyways um one of the, one of your specialties is helping people to look good on camera so where do you begin with that somebody comes to you whether it's a, a company an individual um, a, set, a team of trainers or whatever where do you begin with this as far as uh i'll just say i'll stop with that where do you begin looking good on camera and when i say looking good folks yeah. i mean presenting well delivering because yes. yeah. if we can look fine maybe subjectively but if we're not engaging that's no good right 
and 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 it all it all it all factors in but exactly what you said it's more about the engagement it's more about understanding the psychology of how to reach somebody through the lens and there's there's two very different um, components one is what we're doing right now which is a conversation but if you're a true presenter where there's no conversation you're not doing q a you're not calling out you're, you're not getting any responses you're just presenting that's even another level of teaching and what i say to answer your question to trainers when we first meet up is this is going to be uncomfortable trust the process mm -hmm. and know that that's what you ask all of your clients to do because nobody comes in with a personal trainer and goes you know hey i'm you know everything's pretty good i don't really need you just no they come in they're like i want to change my life i need help i need somebody to motivate me and get me through it and then a good trainer knows that that's going to be an uncomfortable process to some extent because you need to change habits you need to get out of your comfort zone and that's exactly what you need to do when you're presenting on camera is get out of your comfort zone take risks learn how to be vulnerable that's that is the biggest one but in order to really explain and understand that takes a, quite a bit of time I, I like i like to say that the fastest way you can become a successful online trainer is to be uniquely yourself by sharing stories that nobody else has that's yeah there's and that, and that that is uncomfortable for most people and that means there's a lot of value in it whenever there's something that's a bit uncomfortable i always get out my magnifying glass and go okay this is probably something i need and so i tell my own stories to trainers as well um when i was i, I just got back from techno gym this summer they're a italian-based company they've been around forever great company yeah, great company, real incredible equipment that you can find on yachts and in major league teams all over the world. Yes. So they're they're a high-end, real high-end type of family-owned run business out of Italy. And they've gone online and they now do production and they have these incredible trainers from around the world that they bring into Italy to shoot. And they asked me to come over and train them, coach them to be better, better on camera trainers. And yeah, there was a lot of resistance at the beginning, especially if you've made it to a certain level. This is, this is always my, the, the easiest trainer to work with is a trainer who's got very little experience. The trainer who's made some level of success, they are so resistant to this, most of them, because They've reached a comfort zone. Most, most success, especially when it comes to performance, is met with a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm, um, sure. And and to to really become comfortable in your own skin on camera, it is a it is a process. And as you know, there's a lot of psychology involved in it too. But it can be incredibly fun. The you know I'll, I'll only spend a few days with them and. We start off with a lot of resistance and by the end i say if um i need to earn your trust and if i'm very lucky we'll we'll consider each other 
uh, friends and I might even be a mentor to you at the end. And that usually is what happens. And it, that's an incredibly gratifying moment for me when I feel like I, I've now earned their trust and we stay in touch moving forward. You know, I'm curious. Um, I'm trying to go back in my own history and I'm trying to relate something. I'm, I'm having trouble with this at the moment, but I find it interesting that there are certain people I know who, for example, they don't even like to talk on the phone. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people like that today. And well, okay, yeah, that actually, there's another, yeah, another thing too, because of the text world. And I mean, I could go down that road with, um, you know, lack of eye to eye contact and communication, uh -huh. doesn't matter, but I'm not going to do that. So, but even, even that aside, there seems to be, there are people who just don't like to talk on the phone. They feel so awkward. I never had a problem with that ever, ever, ever. Uh -huh. now, where I did have a problem was training virtually. I didn't have a problem doing interviews. I'm very comfortable like this. And, and I will say though, even now, maybe I need to hire you. Uh, I got a place for you to stay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Is the, the virtual, I mean, I don't get too nervous usually ever before a virtual session. But I, I question whether I'm coming across the right way. And so I've recorded a lot of these to watch them back. And I think as a former musician, one of the things that is that doesn't lie are recordings. Mm. So me, like an audio recording, when I listen back and I hear, I mean, that's what happened, like it or not. You may not there it is. when you yeah. did it, but maybe it was a great thing and you wish you need to hone in on that and do it again or don't do it again. But do you... Um, the connection part for me with the people is usually okay virtually, but there is a little element I struggle with in the training aspect of of connecting. And is there like a general, let's say, what do you, what do you mean? I don't. I'm not following that. You, you're you're okay talking to people, but the training part. What's the training part that throws you off? I think probably the the demos and the queuing. Um, even if they can see me there's this this well let me ask you this because this will kind of describe me and this mm -hmm. this group to a degree anyways um what do you find to be or do you find anything to be like the number one barrier in getting across what i have to teach let's say or what we have to teach as trainers to the other side of the lens um i mean a lot of different things here you could just be nervous nervous about who we're training uh, mm -hmm. a bad connection can make me go nuts sure <laughs> it's not anyone's fault usually it's just the way it is yeah but i tend to get very anxious with that is there a general uh um let's say issue or psychological aspect of this that you find to be common for trainers when you go in like the what's the first wall they have to barrier they have to knock down to start delivering more effectively. I don't know if that helps you at all because I don't think I'm articulating too well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure because you're talking about the actual movements that you were saying that was one of your sticking points. And I I I, I like saying I just made a post. I don't care about fitness. <laughs> I mean, I'll go back to where I started. It's like, I don't care about your move. Carl, you are a world-class leader in 
your industry. You are. I, there's nothing I'm going to teach you about that. You know that like the back of your hand. It's the, it's the teaching it through the lens part that I'm interested in. And how do you make what you do more exciting and compelling? That, so actually, that's it. That's my fear is that it's not that way on the other end. Well, that's where I come in. And you, <laughs> that's so, where I come in. And I'm not that's, asking for anything free here for me. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm here to give it away. That that okay. is the point. So I'll no, go but, back to P90. So I'll go back to. Would this describe other people though? I mean, is this a problem that many of, of us? Of course. Okay. Well, okay. They go don't on. even know it. So this goes back to imposter syndrome. A trainer starts to get some level of success. They're nervous. They're going to lose it. I come in and say, "I'm I'm being. I know I don't say this, but I'm." cutting to the chase i come in and say you're doing it all wrong and of course that makes people very very nervous because <laughs> sure. because they have this level of success and now somebody's coming in who's been around longer and says yeah that's wrong you've got to start all over well that's terrifying yeah, sure but think of anything in your life you've done where you get some level of success and then you know it's like going back to school in essence like I went back to school when I was in my late 20s and you go to school when you're like 18. I was terrified. Yeah. But the good part is, is if you're willing to be vulnerable, if you're willing to risk it, that's when the biggest changes come. So you, you are exactly like everybody else, but the trick is what you have to, and, and particularly an academic like yourself, is you have to go, it's entertainment when it's on camera. That's how I approach it. Mm -hmm. uh, there is some room, there are some people who just like dry academic stuff. They like reading textbooks. Most of us would prefer to get it through video, our, our entertainment, <clears throat> our information. We watch, we watch videos as opposed to reading as much as we used to because it's just a faster way to yeah, I'm an audiobook guy all the way, man, because I remember better that way. Faster way to get information. So, but we want it to be interesting information, not just dry. And so entertaining your audience with your information, particularly now you're you're incredibly specialized, Carl. So there's not as much competition. But when you're a personal trainer, somebody just told me, put a post on LinkedIn uh responding to a something that I had posted and said, yeah, there's, there's 250,000 fitness apps that you can download now. 250,000 apps. I had no idea. That's not how many trainers there are. You just imagine <laughs> that a lot of those apps have, you know, a dozen or, or more trainers on there. So there are millions of personal trainers out there looking to get your subscription dollars, your your personal trainer hour with them. And that's a lot of competition. It didn't used to be like that. Like it has become an, an wow. very, very competitive. And the only way to go to that top of, to cut to the front of that line is to understand how to become incredibly engaging with your audience. And you do that through your own personality and then a whole bunch of professional tools that, you know, one of them is eye contact with your lens, not your, not yourself. Mm -hmm. This is me looking at my myself, which is what we all want to do. But until they put a camera in the middle of your computer screen, you have to train yourself to look at the lens. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, because yeah. then it feels like I'm talking directly to you. So that's just one of the technical tips. But the – Carl, I'm going to do something with you right now. I, this is um, – and I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't even tell you this was coming up. It's all right. Um, I'm 61, and I don't care anymore. Yeah, okay, <laughs> okay great. I love it. That's a, that's, a, that's, that's a good story right there. I, I'm going to interrupt for only one second. When you were sure, talking please. about the uh, going back to school in your late 20s, I went back to yeah. school 10 years ago. I was 51, terrified, uh -huh. terrified you know, SU, sure. Syracuse nutrition program. And uh, uh, anyways, the thing is, is that. How'd you do? This I, I always do really well in school because I'll work my butt off. I'm a slow learner, but once I got it, I got it. So I, I work my butt off to get a's i'm an a guy not in high school that was a different era yeah i it needs to count and it, i need to learn i'm there for a reason but the bottom line is uh, over this past decade i swear every year i become less concerned about it's like oh well whatever you know uh -huh. and then sometimes people actually appreciate that especially if i screw up on stage in front of an audience of neurologists or something and yeah. you know that whoops well, whatever, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but, but at the same time, though, there's this, well, let's go ahead. You're going to put me on the spot. So, uh, yeah. so I don't mind because I'm 61 and it's like, whatever, let's do give it. Me, <laughs> give me one, give me one very basic move. Maybe we could sit, sit in our chair and do it. What, what's one move you would have a patient do to, okay. um, you know, let's see. How about, um, with my virtual background, it might not show up too well let's say we take uh i'll use these two things whatever this is and some febreze okay and, uh maybe it's um a lateral raise so we're just we're coming up like this Hands okay right come on down so if we were really doing this we'd have some dumbbells Two, three, okay, four. so we're going to pretend they're dumbbells and yep. give me give me some of the cues what you would normally say to your client while you're doing this. Go. All right, Mason. So let's take these dumbbells. We're going to drop our arms down to the side. I'm going to bring my rear end to the front of the chair, sit on the edge with a nice upright posture. Okay, so chin back. What I want to do is work on this middle delt area. What we're going to do is take these dumbbells, come straight out to the side up to uh, hands up to shoulder height and then come on down nice and slow all right and number two up and down two three up and down uh so we go to uh, maybe 15 reps 12 reps depends upon the person okay. or the modality uh the phase yeah okay so pretty basic move lateral lift not not a whole bunch of cue to get somebody into it safely and doing what you want to do to target that muscle group is that a fair statement mm -hmm. yeah okay forget about that for a second now i want to ask you i'm going to put you on the spot and i i'm asking for the short version of this i want you to share with me a moment in your life where everything changed i'll give you a second to think about it Hmm. it doesn't matter what it is not at all it has to be personal though it's not i'm not asking for something fitness really i'm talking about something very personal it could be the birth of your first grandchild it could be 
It could be a diploma that you never imagined you'd get. Something where there was a big shift. Okay, the biggest one ever was in Singapore, June 1st, 2019. I had gotten off the plane that morning and I went direct to Singapore General Hospital because I couldn't walk because my left leg was 14 inches solid of a DVT. Spent a few days in the hospital. And What's I, a DVT? Sorry. Uh, um, it's a deep vein thrombosis, which is a, it was a 14 inch solid blood clot. Oof. We're also okay. through a pulmonary embolism in the lung. And I was really not supposed to be alive. But when I woke up, I was still alive. And everything changed. Everything changed. Can you repeat that one more time? Your video froze. So I want to make sure that I get it and your audience gets it. So you'd gotten off the plane. Yep. Couldn't walk because of the pain. My son's a doctor. He recommended, because uh, I text from the plane, uh, go to the hospital in case it's a blood clot. It was 14 inches solid, popliteal vein, um, through a pulmonary embolism. I really wasn't conscious in the hospital too much. But when I woke up, because I was supposed to probably die, well, I didn't. And uh, that was it, man. I mean, everything was different. And what was still different to this day? Oh, grateful to be alive. When we got on today, and you said, "I'm," I think you said, "I'm breathing." Well, I literally actually think that when I wake up in the morning. Oh, my eyes open, and here I am again. I get another day. This is so okay. Cool. All right. Thank you for sharing that. With that, uh, it's it's pretty emotional when somebody shares something that uh, heavy. It got me. Like just thinking about that could have been it. Um, yeah, it's twelve hours away, twelve time zones away. Yeah, and right, and you're all in back a foreign here. land. It's oh. all it's all very it's all very. Um, yeah, it seems belittling such a uh, big story, but it's very touching. So here's here's what I help trainers with, and I'm going to help you with, is being able to share that in a in an otherwise mundane moment. And it's not that you're always sharing this biggest moment story, but the reason why I start there is because it's the hardest story to tell usually because it's emotional. But when you're emotional, you are letting your guard down a bit and you're showing people that you trust them and then they in turn trust you. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a bad version of this. I don't know your business as well and you'll, you'll get the idea, but I'm going to pretend I'm Carl for a moment. And Carl, I'd like you to join me right now. We're going to be working on this muscle group. I want you to grab those two light dumbbells. I'm just going to do a lateral, a little, little lateral raise here. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And I'm going to share something with you right now as we go through about 20 of these that I've never shared before, but I woke up thinking how grateful I was for my breathing and looking forward to working out with you. It was only a few years ago that I stepped off a plane in Singapore and was rushed to the hospital with a blood clot in my leg that if that plane ride had been just a few hours longer, I pretty much would have been taken off in a body bag. So while this is starting to feel uncomfortable in your shoulders right now, Mm -hmm. 
I want you to think about how this is really working to help you improve your life and how every day when I get up and I do my exercises that I need to at 61, just to keep that old heart beating so that I can enjoy my grandkids. I can be here one more day with you. And I'm grateful for that. So, oh, man. yeah, that, so, there's, uh, in that. there's engagement in that. Right. So you, you just shared a little piece of your life. Yeah. It, it also clicks in and I, forgive me because this is not meant for um, to embarrass you or anything else. But when somebody, when a trainer that you're paying a lot of money for in any, in any craft where they are the master, if you're counting, it's you're, no, I don't even like to count. Well, so but uh, many trainers do. Once, once you get me, once you've told me to chin back, chest up, engage here, think about your core, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Get those out of the way. Yeah. There's nothing else to say. Maybe yeah, one I, reminder, I, like engage the core. There's nothing else to say about fitness. Yeah, that's, at, that, at that point, you need to be engaging my mind and my heart. And then I keep coming back. And so you're turning on my imagination. You're dropping barriers. You're giving me permission to be uh, afraid, to be um, hopeful, to be human, because you're sharing that that's okay, because you've done it. And that's what really starts to change people. It's not, it's not the physical as much as it is the mental and the heart. That, that's, the, that's the part that gets people to keep coming back. That's, uh, that's really powerful. You know, I, I just as you go, we talk about this, what's interesting is we have a lot of conversations here because like you and I were talking, I think it was before we started the camera, is uh, we're therapists kind of, right? Or maybe we said it, but either way, there is a level of trust that usually goes pretty deep with us, especially if they keep coming back, there must be a reason. So uh, that trust does lead to a lot of conversations here in person. Mm -hmm um i can tell you i'm much less likely to count in person because it, and so why where i think about counting on camera that has to be you just helped me break through something right there thank you because sure. it really doesn't change the only thing that's different is we got this here camera and then they have a screen and same thing on that end and back they're there i'm here yeah it's like anybody who owns a, a dog that's taken it to obedience school, they, they're teaching the owner, not the dog. You know, like, I got to teach my dog how to not pull on the leash. No, they're teaching the owner that that's not a, that's not a human. They don't interact the way we do. You have to understand what they do and what you need to do to have a better behaved dog that is following a master, not, not being, not going like, but I love him and I hug him and I do all that. Like when I first, my first dog that I rescued, I, I was, I was really, that was a light bulb when I went to obedience school. Cause the obedience school was for me, not the dog. Yeah, sure. Right. It. So some very similar and that, you know, uh, Carl, I'll flatter you for a minute. You're an incredibly engaging 
person. You ask great questions. You smile a lot. You're fun to talk to. You're you're just very interesting in person. And the the trick is is when you're on camera to keep that personality going. And it is not a natural. We as as human beings were raised by other human beings mm -hmm. and we're constantly engaged by talking to them and learning. So it's that part's more natural for us. When you're talking to a piece of glass, there's a whole bunch of other tools and skills that you need to master for it to feel as comfortable as talking to somebody in person. And there's, again, there's different levels as, as going back to the psychology part of it is if you're with somebody, you ask a question and they get to talk a lot. So that's, that is a, a big reason why people hire personal trainers is they're getting this me time. They're getting to talk to somebody who's going to listen. Hey, how's it going? All right, John, let's, let's get into your warm up. How are you doing? John gets to talk about how he's doing. Yeah. So that's a, that's a very different then because you're not going to do that when you're having a zoom workout with a couple people for instance mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so all these other all these other layers of of skills and tools that you need to learn so that you can still make your clients feel as if they're being heard like they would be if you were in a room together and you're talking and they're getting to share you have to do more of the sharing to make the connection Mm -hmm. it, it's a, it sounds counterintuitive, but it does work. No, that that's a lesson to me today. This is a big lesson. Because um, while we were doing that, when you had put me on the spot there, which is totally fine, I'm glad you did. Um, as, as soon as we get through the initial cues and I start, you know, doing, I'm actually bored. And I can't imagine, you know, people on the other end, they must be bored too. I mean, there are people who will talk and things like that, but it's, not to what you just did with me um so this is a great this is a great thing for me to work on and i'm sure there are other people out there who could use it too and you know think about how many people you reach or potentially can reach who aren't in your area can't come to see you and you can't go mm -hmm. to them so you've got a camera if you have a camera and a computer hone in on these skills you can reach a lot of people you know if we go back to p90x for a quick second it's entertainment at its core and tony who's the star who liked to perform he was a performer first working with me as a director who could take give cues build opportunities to have more entertainment on the set. It's all I, it's all I focused on was like, how do I make this more fun? Mm -hmm. um, and whether it's telling stories, whether it's being silly, whether it's, so you don't always have to obviously tell a big heavy story about a near death experience. Mm -hmm. It can be as simple as your morning commute, uh, it could be a story about your grandchild. It could be, you know, a Starbucks order mix up, but it's also not until you get really, really good at this storytelling, which is what it is at its core. 
has the opportunity to sprinkle in all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So if it was, I'm making this up off the top of my head, if it was a mix up in a Starbucks order and you got in the car and you're driving away and you do a, because it was flat coffee and you were, you're used to having a Frappuccino or a, a, a macchiato, mm -hmm. uh, it could be an opportunity to talk about your self-awareness in how, you know, I was so angry and I wanted to kill the barista or whoever mixed <laughs> up the order. And then you realize that you had to take a deep breath and it was about expectations and that, you know, it was a chance to maybe appreciate a black coffee and think about where the beans were from. And all. there's just, there's always some opportunity to share something about yourself that other people will connect with. So it doesn't true. have to be heavy. It could be as simple yeah. as uh, a Starbucks mix up, but yeah. it makes, it adds fabric to your session. It adds there's context there because your client is liable to go home or if they're already home when somebody says how did to them how did their day go i just had this great workout with carl sterling he's uh man that guy is something they might not explain they're going to say it's a great workout they might not ex be able to explain what it is you do but you're connecting with them in a way that they wouldn't otherwise have unless they had that workout with you Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that the personal touch. Um, and we do a lot of talking here in this clinic, but the other thing is too, and I think empathy is a huge thing, um, just in in life in general, right? It can really it's huge, but people tend to like to talk about themselves too. So if you dig in, you know, ask some questions, you might get some stories from them at the same time. Uh, well, if you're, if you're talking to somebody, you can talk back great, but if you're just presenting, you can't do that. True. So yeah. don't ask questions. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> that's, and that's one of the things I, I also have to untrain trainers for doing, Hey, what's up everybody. Well, first of all, it's not everybody. So get rid of that. Get rid of guys. Guys, everybody. Yeah. I heard you say that on the personal trainer podcast. That was really good. I don't yeah, remember. It drives me nuts. I'm like, I'm at home alone. Why are you talking to guys? Now you can make the argument or, and again, this is where trainers get uncomfortable. Yeah, but this is what I've been doing forever. Well, I'm just here to open your eyes up a little bit and say, unless you're trying to create a virtual community, which everybody tries to do, but you're doing it very purposefully and you're doing different types of engagement. Otherwise, it's one person working out at home alone. That is the vast majority of people. So talk to that one person and then you're talking to everybody. So just eliminate guys and everybody and don't say what's up, how you doing, are, are you feeling the burn? Get rid of everything <laughs> that everybody else says because I feel that if I'm at home and I hear somebody saying, what's up, everybody, how's it going? Are you feeling that burn? I really feel as if I am not seen. Uh -huh. And that's so hard to wrap your head around, but I literally go, yeah, this isn't, this isn't for me because they're not really seeing me. That's a psych, it's a, it's a subtle psychological feeling. Yeah, but if, yeah. if you're looking in the lens as a trainer and you're saying, <clears throat> okay, we just took a big deep breath. We're going to take a breather here for a minute. All right, 
I know how my body's feeling. I'm sure you're feeling similar. Let's take a minute and just cool down here for a second. Mm -hmm. That changes how I, like, like all of a sudden you're like, oh, that trainer sees me. They're talking about how they feel, but they're right. That is how my body's feeling too. It becomes much more personal. It's using dialogue that engages the individual. But also what I love, and I, I remember this from some Brian Tracy videos I, I got like 30 years ago about public mm -hmm. speaking. And actually in college, I'll just say in my college, this was seven years ago, I took public speaking at SU. Favorite course ever, man, because yeah. I'd already done a lot of it. Doesn't mean I was good at it or great at it or anything like that, but it was, uh, it, I learned a lot. And one of the things I learned, but this also has, a parallel with my career as a drummer is that if you leave more space it can put a lot more weight on what you're about to say or what you just said and you just did it you just paused that one or two two second pause or three seconds allows breathing room for let's say more a heavier impact of the dialogue you just delivered or you're going to deliver because there's an anticipation it's just, it's a different thing. Instead the of pow the power the of the pause, yeah, silence is golden. It's All just, of those it, adages. As I, I was really into jazz, contemporary jazz more so. And Miles Davis would always say, yeah, man, it's the space between the notes that matters the most. <laughs> so cool. There's, you know, just keep going on that theme. I think it's Christopher Walken. Oh, who, I love that guy, man. <laughs> who... Who was asked, how do you, this is in his, when he was really big in his career, how do you, and maybe it's not him, but some famous actor, how do you know which project you want to work on next? I'm assuming you're given lots of scripts. And the actor said, I am. And the way I, the way I pick a script or turn them down is I page through it. And if there's too many words, I turn it down. <laughs> And, and that is the same idea, which is a not so, I mean, unless you're Sorkin, a not so seasoned writer, filmmaker, director thinks that it's all about dialogue. And in filmmaking, it certainly isn't. There's so much where there's like, it's all in the unspoken word. It's all, uns it's all unspoken. So much of it. The that atmosphere, the energy, the the angle of the camera, all, all of it. It's And next time anybody anybody listening to this who's interested in that, next time you watch a film, it's usually films more than anything, yeah. is watch how much time there is where there is no dialogue and so much is being revealed in the story. So Carl, very insightful that you picked up on pauses because I have to work on it too as opposed to going, I got to get everything. I just I got all this information I want to share. No, there's more time to share later. I'm going to be eloquent about what I talk about and let those points sink in and get across because education is not something you rush. It takes time. And trainers don't understand that usually. They, as soon as they hear action, if they're on camera, they start talking and they never stop and it usually speeds up and it is very when when you point that out to a trainer again it, it's very eye-opening and they get like wow that's you're right 
And then you give them the different tools and the, the power to pause. And it really starts to change their game and their engagement with their clients. You know, I think it also might be, I don't know if it's a combination of nervous energy and other things and wanting to come across a certain way. But um, that that's interesting. Uh, I, I've got to go back to that Christopher Walker thing because that guy, uh, I was just talking to somebody about him the other day of how, you know, you don't have to see the screen. You just know it's him. It's not just the voice. It's the pacing of, or how his phrasing well there's a few words and then he stops and he this this is this is christopher this is christopher this i know is christopher walken what he does because it's completely different than any other actor and this is this is also what i encourage trainers to do is be completely different i i don't know how or when he started this but when he gets a script that he's going to do he goes through and the first thing he does is eliminates all of the punctuation Oh. And that's why his cadence is so unique and different. Ah, so he doesn't he doesn't take the writer's cue on where to pause, where to put the emphasis. He just gets rid of all of that and then creates his own tapestry of rhythm, mm -hmm. which is what makes it. It's one of his big iconic roles. And right, so many people imitate his way of speaking because it's not how you arrive. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking right now. Uh, I, you know, it's like these big pauses where they don't belong. What you are saying. <laughs> and it makes you lean in and think more about what's going to come out yeah. of his mouth next. <laughs> and that was, and that, those pauses were in the right place. His pauses are in weird places. And you're like, what is going on? But it's interesting and that's what that's what entertainment is in one of its forms it's interesting truth so yeah, just yeah. just changing how you speak <laughs> is, is part of it you know it's interesting it's once in a while i'll find somebody doing an impersonation of another person where they almost sound more like the other person than the other person sounds like the other person for yeah. jim carrey doing uh captain kirk mm. It's a good one because captain kirk also had a unique unique delivery and jim carrey man in in living color he did this care 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 to do it for us carl <laughs> your captain kirk <laughs> i don't come on know that come on do the scotty line do it justice <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to do yeah i'm challenging you to do it in one of your training sessions okay i will there you go my next webinar. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have, if do you have another like three four minutes? I just have I am here for you, Carl. Thanks, man. Carl Sterling show all day. <laughs> We're uh, actually I I we also do some research at my clinic, some funded research like pilot data studies, white paper studies, and we have a couple going right now with different companies. So we have somebody coming in about twenty minutes along with the my colleague who will help me. Uh, but I do have about five more minutes, and I wanted to ask you this question. Here is my question. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That was really bad, but it was fun to do. <laughs> How important is the camera, the, or, or are the angles, the backdrop, the back view, the audio, 
the lighting. For my interviews and things like that, I've got a high-end Sennheiser mic recommended by a friend of mine who's a TV host for many years of the Mecham Auto Auction because I'm a total muscle car guy and I love nice. cars and I have a car and I restored and I love it. But I, I got soft lights, virtual background, you know, my office is a mess, of course. That's why you're not seeing that. But um, now this is just interview situation, conversational. But for the training situation, how important is all that stuff that I was asking about? So the content and the personality is number one. Or actually, I'd say the content itself is is as long as you're as long as you're giving an effective, safe workout. It, I don't care about fitness mm -hmm. because you can get fitness in a million different ways. So trainers who are listening, remember that. And it's true about any information. Yeah, that's true. There's only two hundred thousand apps out there. Plus, so. It's so the so it's the delivery of it, the entertainment value, that's that comes first, and then the other part of it is, and it is important, is the production value, the technical side of it all, the lighting, the mic, how you're how you're presenting physically, your wardrobe, your makeup, all of that. It all comes together, but I would say those can be, those are secondary to your entertainment value. Because if I'm super entertaining, I can use my cell phone and have okay lighting and and good audio, and I'll still get, things could still go viral to use a popular term. Um, if I have incredible production value, I'm spending $10,000 to make a small studio in home and it just looks perfect, but my content is dull, does not matter. You just wasted 10 grand. Um, when I was in film school, I went for film, but I had to study audio too. It was called film and video, um, sorry, music and video business was the, was the actual course that I studied. And I really didn't want to learn about music, just not my thing. Um, Cause I didn't want to be an engineer. I just had but it, I look back on it and I'm going to share the story. It was the most valuable part of filmmaking that I got out of it. The other stuff was kind of easy. The audio, which most people don't understand, is like in terms of production. So if you had to spend any money on production, the one thing to do is get great audio. Mm -hmm. Lighting, setup, that can be next. But the first thing is great audio. And here's the lesson that I share that I've never forgotten. In an audio class, we had two monitors, A and B, and they both had this old Western and they played the same one minute clip. Mm -hmm. And the professor said, show of hands, who prefers monitor A's programming? And like two people's hands went up and they said, who prefers monitor B's programming? And the whole class raised their hand. And, and I'm sitting there going like, there must be some lesson here. How did he, this is not a, a random study. It was the same program, but almost, you know, 99% of the class picked B. And he says, do you know why that is? And we were all sitting there and he played them back. And I went, oh, program A 
the video was totally scratchy. It's like blips and like the old fashioned, like VHS, like you, half the time you couldn't see it. I'm sorry, other way around. Program A had perfect video. Program B, it was all scratchy. Okay. Program A had scratchy audio. Program B had perfect clear audio. Mm. And so what we learned from that was we're picking more up through good audio than we are through a perfect picture. And I never forgot that lesson because mm. everybody in the class who was amateurs, we all without any cues said, we'd rather watch B, watch, we'd rather watch B, which was a bad video because the audio helped us tell the story. Nice. So yeah, yeah. anybody who's out there going like, oh, if I forgot, you know, a hundred bucks, where do I invest it? Invest it in a good lavalier microphone that you can hook up to your, your iPhone. Then you can be a little further away from the actual camera. Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. I, I mean, I don't know statistically what people think, but I believe what you say, first of all, that's why I have you here. And also I, I would concur, I prefer better audio. I learn better through hearing. Well, I'm, look, I'm, you're, you're, you're virtual, virtual, you know, you're, you have a black background. I've got a couple blue lights here, but we both have good microphones. And if you listen to podcasts, what drives me nuts today is when I hear somebody on a podcast, especially if they're a host and they're talking through their like computer microphone, oh, yeah. you're hearing the whole room echo but, and stuff. Uh, and you don't yeah. even, if, if you're not into production, you don't know why, but this goes back to that subtle those subtleties you go i don't like the show that much yeah and it might not the show might be pretty good but part of it is this just one component that's not professional and it's not as doesn't doesn't feel as good because you're not hearing rich production audio like you and i are on today yeah it's it's interesting because uh that carries over big time when you're just doing people listen to just the audio version of this on you know itunes and google and uh, I, spotify or wherever but it i could have great video but if the audio is crappy like some of my early ones used were pretty bad i can't mm. even listen to them so i deleted them and re-interviewed the people because <laughs> it sounded so there you go leveling up i couldn't listen to it so uh well this is i'll tell you there's so much to learn and you give us so much great information so much we can learn from you uh mason i really appreciate you being on my program i appreciate <laughs> having been invited carl you're uh you're one in a million <laughs> i had to work on this captain kirk thing if yeah you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah I'm, i want to hear it I'll tell you, yeah, I, I, if, if anyone gets a chance, if you've ever, if you can go to YouTube, you'll find these skits all over YouTube of In Living Color, Jim Carrey. Yeah, God, Captain he was Kirk. good, yes. He does Captain Kirk better than Captain Kirk does Captain Kirk. It's one of those rare situations where he, he nails it so it over the top, yeah. Which Captain Kirk was, right? He was way over the top. And then Jim Carrey takes it another level. He did. He did. It's so amazing. Um, well, 
I can't thank you enough for being here. Seriously, Mason, I, and taking all this time with me. You took so much of your time, and I don't take it for granted because I know you're very, very busy. You have a lot going on, but thank you very, very much. My pleasure, Carl Sterling. Okay. <laughs> I like your last name. Why not use it? Thank you. Thank you. Am uh, I going to see you in Munich? I was going to go. I, I I'll put it out there. I don't mind people knowing. I have uh, some health issues, and I, I just can't go. I, I can't go. It's too dangerous at this time. I am okay. Just so people know, I am okay. But if I go there, and if the same thing happens that happened on my last trip three weeks ago to Vegas, I was there for two days to speak at a conference. I had a day off, and I spoke for one hour. It was the easiest trip, lowest stress ever. And what hit me after that, man, I, I can't do it again. So I, I will not be in Munich, but if I can build up my body and my immune system and my COPD, I was never a smoker, but I uh, played in smoky bars for 30 years, you know? And mm. that's cool. So that, that's what I'm dealing with and it's really bad. So uh, I'm gonna stay home. All right, that's all right. Well, I'll, I'll go we'll... to November in uh, the meeting then or next year in URSA and, uh, San Diego. I'm sure my son and I'll be there. My son wants to come too. So Good deal. Well, uh, well, we'll have a beer for you at Oktoberfest. Yeah, please do it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to meet up with Stefan and his parents, a bunch of things, uh, but I, I just can't travel. It's too risky at this point. So I will be there in spirit and um, have fun. You'll be there, right? Thanks. Yep. Oh, man, that's that's I can't wait to hear about it from people. I know it's not going to be a hybrid or video recorded, to my knowledge, but I, I'm sure I'll get I'll hear about it. So that'll be great. For sure, we'll report back. Yeah, Mason, thanks again, my friend, and I'll I'll be uh, actually if you don't mind, just hang on with me for one second after I close out. Sure. Thanks for joining us, everybody who is here. Yeah, thank you. Was oh, there any questions? Did you have any? Oh questions? yeah, and I did mean to ask that too. Um, let me see here got uh monitoring one second here folks on facebook i do not have questions but i've had viewers magdalena is watching hola mi amiga como estas san luis potosi mexico hola hola a todos y espero que tenga un día super fabuloso Y, uh, no, no preguntas aquí or allí. And uh, let me just check one more thing here before we go. Sherry, ah, Sherry. She's in California. I think it's Northern. Sherry, you and I are going to talk over the weekend. Uh, yeah, I'd like to hear about your remedies for COPD because I need help. <laughs> so she's a doctor. Her mom lives here. I know her mom for like 30 years. Um, well, thank you again. Yeah, no, no questions, but thank you so much, Mason. And let's stay in touch. Absolutely, uh, I know I'll be seeing you. I, I would say it's a pretty safe bet if you're going to Ursa and San Diego. I'll be I there. I'll be there. I'm sure. All right, cool. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thanks to everybody. Thank you, Mason. And uh, I'm gonna sign off, and I'll tag you. Sounds good. All right. Take care, everyone. And with my eyes that don't want to see over and out folks.